Hi, I'm Angela Lucier, a professional public speaker, seven-time author, two-time TEDx speaker, and CEO and founder of the Speaker Sisterhood, a network of public speaking clubs for women. And I'm Dr. Jolie Hamilton, a research psychologist, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and ASEC certified sex educator. Together, we're the hosts of Claim the Stage, a podcast about speaking and sisterhood. If you've been a fan, you know I've been doing this show solo, and it's been all about public speaking for years. Well, that all changes now. Well, you're still talking about speaking on stage, but now we're also going to focus on the three things that you need to make an impact, your voice, confidence, and sisterhood. The show is a training ground to go from dreaming to creating. Right. And we'll still be doing interviews with expert guests. Plus, you'll also get more personal stories and insights from us as well. I'm really excited to see where this goes. Me too. And slightly freaked out. Yeah, me too. Welcome to the next chapter of Clay on the Stage. Jolie. Hey. So we're still working on our intro, if anyone's wondering. We are, but we're not superheroes as you, you told me today. Yeah. people. That's right. Good reminder for me. Yeah. Everyone may notice that our intro is going to be really short today and that's because we're both tired and we're not superheroes. So we decided we're going to just cut this a little short and give ourselves a little space. And have lunch instead. (laughs) Yeah. Like like people do. I know. Yeah. So we'll do this and then we'll eat lunch. So before we do that, though, we are excited to introduce our guest today, who we had a blast talking to, Laura Khalil, hailing from Detroit. We wish she lived closer. Yes. If she's listening to this, Laura, move to Western Mass. Yeah. I mean, come on. We're right here. Yeah. (laughs) We talked all about how to create a system to be brave in your life, which as we were thinking about the theme for the episode. And we came up with that. I was like, Ooh, I can't wait to talk about that with her. Cause I love systems and things like steps you can follow that help you be brave because when you're brave, you can do so many things. And she did a great job of outlining those steps in a way that felt really approachable and kind of like, duh, why aren't we already doing this? Right. So what did you, um, not, well, not what did you take away, but what have you done differently since having the conversation with her. So without giving too much away, she had a step that was really, really important for me. Um, And it was about remembering about what I want more of rather than what I want to cut out. So I'm really overwhelmed right now. That's just a thing. I mean, we've talked about it a few different times. I'm in a a state of like, woo, there is a lot going on. Um, And so it's easy for me to turn to my sources of, of, um, you know, help people who help me figure out what I'm doing and people's reaction when you're overwhelmed is usually to say, so what can you cut back? What can you cut out? Um, Because that seems like an obvious thing. And yet turning toward what I want more of actually has been really, really useful. So rather than try to cut something out, because that's just a batting, that's just, it does not work for me. When people tell me to cut stuff out, I go and get three more things. Um, I am an anti-dieter. That does not work for me. You cannot tell me not to have cookies because I will go have four more cookies. So 
she, she mentioned like, what do you want more of her feelings? I thought, okay, I can do that step. So that's what I've been doing this week. I've been thinking about and then acting on what do I want more of, which means I've actually been getting a little less sleep, but I've been getting more connection time with my partner. Um, and that was really, really important. And usually I wouldn't trade those things. I would try to jam something else away, but it's been a good trade. We've been doing some necessary stuff together. And, um, and that makes me feel seen, which leaves me in a place to be present for my life and show up and do the things. Cause this is a month or a semester of bravery for me, for sure. I am facing a bunch of demons and just doing too much work. Like it's, it's legit too much work. I need to chill, but, um, yeah. So the, just, I didn't, I hadn't thought before of how simple it would be to turn towards what I wanted more of for me. Maybe that's not the the move that everybody needs, but for me, it was super awesome and helpful. Yeah. It does feel good too. Like you don't have to deprive yourself. You just focus on the things that feel good. And when you can, when you're not trying to have this like mindset of deprivation, all of a sudden there's abundance and it's, it just feels nicer. Everything feels nicer. And and that was the big takeaway I had from the conversation was it's all about how things feel in your body. And, and that like, that's just such a reoccurring theme right now. And when we talked to Nikita Thigpen on, on the podcast last week, she drove that home as well. When she was talking about working with her clients, the first question, the first exercise they do is about tuning into the wisdom of the body. And Laura talked a lot about that in this interview too. And I know a lot of type A women, a lot of uh, driven, ambitious women who, you know, are public speakers listening to this podcast may spend a lot of time in their head. So getting this advice to tune into your body might feel foreign. It might feel like, is that really possible? I I have a to-do list. I have objectives. I have goals. And I think I just want to say for me, because I, maybe I'm just saying this for myself, so that I can really internalize it, that it's, it's, it doesn't seem like it could, it could work, you know, cause it's not necessarily strategic. It's not, it's not the way we've been operating from a place of expectation or a place of like, get it done, get it done. But it actually is so much more powerful if you allow it to be part of your process. And that's what I'm learning right now is to take the step back and just tune into what, what feels good and what doesn't. And when I stay, when I think about the kind of work I've been doing over the last three months and trying to build a bunch of courses and just changing a lot of the back end systems. It never felt good in my body. There was a lot going on there that just felt like I need to just get this piece done. Cause then I can get to the next thing and then I can get the next thing. And I was avoiding the fact that it all felt like such intense pressure and tightness in my chest. And there was nothing enjoyable about it, but I was making myself do it. Cause I thought that's what I needed to do in order to get to this next point. And, and once I really started to see that, it, it wasn't driving with, with me just from, from the body standpoint, it made it really impossible to keep going with it. And that was a good choice to stop, to actually tune into myself and say, okay, this is the wrong direction. So I like that Laura talks about that in this episode and gives more insight and kind of builds on what Nikita said in our last interview, because it's such an important place to work from. And to have enough context to get started with it, I think will be really helpful for our listeners. Yeah. I, I want to say that 
as a person who also has lived in my head for so long, that it's not just that the body can feel foreign or counterintuitive. I actually had a very specific pushback against it. I felt like there, the message to go to the body, to turn to the body sensations in general over the course of my life has felt almost aggressive. I have, I have felt like it was, my body hasn't felt like a safe place to be. And so I would push back against that and basically like, fuck that. No, I'm not going there. I need another tool. So if the body, if turning to the body is just starting to feel if by any chance, this is resonating with anyone else. If that message is starting to feel like, oh my God, I'm so sick of hearing people say that. Cause I've been in that spot as recently as a few months ago, I've, I've had dips into that place where I'm like, I don't want to hear that again. Um, if it is give yourself a break. <laughs> it might not be time for you. That might not be the move for you. So it's a, it's a move. It is not the only one. There are other tools. If you're not feeling that, and if, if it's causing you to feel anxious, left out, or like you're not seen, um, it isn't the only tool it's coming up a lot. I love it. It's been super useful to me lately, but it's okay to say, you know, I'm going to need another tool too. And Laura actually laid out other steps as well um, that don't necessarily go straight to the body. And I think that this was a mix and match system. You didn't have to follow it like one, two, three, four, with the exception of what I called step zero. Um, and, and she'll lay that out. But I think outside of that, pick what you use, what, like what, use what works for you out of it. And it's okay if it's not the whole thing. Yeah, that's great advice. I think it's standing out to me right now. Cause it seems like the next part of my process, but yeah, me too. do what works for where you are in your process. Yeah. That's it. I, I mean, I'm literally reading the book. Um, uh, I was reading it right before we started your body is your brain. I have read all the somatic books and they've never landed. And all of a sudden now it's finally landing, hmm. but I want to make space for the fact that it's been, I've been doing quote unquote, this work for 20 years and I've been doing it academically for 10 years and it hasn't been time yet. So if it's not your time yet, there are other things too. And yet I think you and I are both, we're kind of on the same page here. We've, we've come to this, this place uh, around the same time. So it's probably going to keep coming up and I want to make space for the, the other too. Yeah. Thanks for mentioning that. I think that will definitely help anyone who's feeling like, well, why isn't this working for me or why isn't this feeling right for me? So thanks for the permission slip. Permission slip. I've made tons and tons of progress in my psychological work, my relationship work, not having gone straight through the body, Mm -hmm. lots of progress, um, as, as measured, (laughs) as measured by my actual relationships. And so I, I think that there are going to be opportunities for us to reflect on how this feels different now and how, how we're, we're getting to this spot when we are in our forties. And if you're in your fifties or your sixties and you're still not there. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's fine. It'll happen when it happens for you. Well said. Well, let's, I'm going to tell everyone a little bit more about who Laura is, and then we'll jump into the interview. So Laura Khalil is a communications expert, a skilled interviewer, and host of the top 125 Apple podcast, Brave by Design. She's consulted with some of the world's most recognizable brands on marketing, including Intel, GE, Twitter, and more. 
Through her boutique agency, Podcast Brand Lab, she helps businesses grow their brand and client list and get booked solid through podcasting. You can find more about her at bravebydesign.net. I love the name of her company, Brave by Design, or the name of her podcast. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah. All right. Well, without further ado, here's our interview with Laura Khalil. We are all three of us in a room. No, we're in a virtual room. Hi, Laura. Hi. Thank you for joining us. It's it's so weird to start a conversation after you've started a conversation. I think that that's the trouble with starting any podcast recording. Well, Mm -hmm. we have just, I think the good thing is that we've just exposed that. So now we can just say, yeah, that is kind of weird. And also like, I'm so excited that now we're on the record because we So now everything counts. (laughs) everything counts we have so much juicy stuff to talk about we do thank you for joining us I really really appreciate it you run an amazing company called brave by design and a podcast called brave by design and that was actually my inspiration for wanting to talk to you because Mm -hmm. the whole concept of brave by design instantly grasped my my imagination and I was running with it just right away, as soon as I was introduced to you, I was introduced to Laura through Nikita, actually, who we just spoke with. Um, Obsessed. Obsessed. Me too. (laughs) I feel like my world is is becoming more complete by just adding all of these amazing women to my world. So thank you for joining us to talk about this fantastic and useful topic. So for sure, I know Angela has questions, but I want to start right off by saying, you you talked to me earlier about how you can get really intentional about bravery yeah. and that's where i want to head today i want to go right towards how how did you decide to be brave yourself and like why why brave right. why that word even well i want to take you back in time let's go back to september 19th 2007 99.9% of us are going to be like yeah what about that day for me That was the day when I had what was really my first act of bravery. Um, It was the day when I had to run out of my house Mm. to defend myself against a very angry husband and family and his family that was trying to attack me. And it was the first moment in my life where I chose myself first where I stopped putting other people's expectations and needs above my own. And I said, no, I'm done with this. And I, I pick Laura. And so what I tell to everyone, not everyone needs to have a moment as dramatic as that in their life. Certainly. And certainly we hope you don't, but if (laughs) we're hope, we hope you don't, but if you do, I want you to applaud yourself for the bravery that it took for you to stand up and finally choose yourself. I always say that when the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain of change, you will begin to transform. And for me in that moment, the pain of staying in a dead, lifeless, verbally abusive marriage was greater. I I couldn't imagine another day of it. And I knew I had to transform. And so I didn't start out, I wasn't a brave kid. Like I wasn't like, you know, some 
dynamo. I wasn't some, you know, savant as a child. I want to say I'm just a regular person who at 27 finally said, hey, I think I'm going to pick myself. What happens if I just do something for Laura? A lot of us grew up culturally, especially as women, being told that men come first, their careers come first, and you are here to kind of appease them and please them. And that may not, for some people listening, that might not have been an explicit message, Mm. but it's very implicit in our society and in our culture. And we often have to fight against it because we don't even realize it's happening. I think that's that's interesting right there. You are naming something that we don't think about. A lot of our parents yeah. did a great job of messaging, but that doesn't stop the fact that we grew up in a culture together and our media says a certain set of things and our stories and even the stories that are designed and written for us growing up in the 90s mm-hmm. and in the early 2000s, right. those stories told us those things. So bravery yeah. in simply choosing yourself Choose yourself. And, and, you know, even to take it a step further back, it's becoming self-aware. Okay. And there yeah, is, you have to notice first. You have to notice. And you ha- I had a moment very clearly. So like I said, I was 27 and I had this moment and I'm sure there are people listening who have had this moment where you are sitting somewhere and you're like, I can see the future right now. I can see what's going to happen. I'm having an intuitive insight of what my life will look like if I continue down this path. And I know I am on the wrong path. I just know it. And I had that moment. And so I had to listen to that, right? I had to trust this is not right. And that is that self-awareness of just tapping in and saying, no, 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 something here is wrong. I don't need to know what's next. See, this is where we get trapped is we say, well, I just have to think about what to do. Mm. No, you do not. You do not need to think. You need to get into action. And so the overthinking is where we get paralyzed. Something was wrong. We need to take a step in the right direction. Bravery is active. It's not passive. It is an act of doing something in service to yourself. It is an act of when we talk about becoming self-aware, saying, I am no longer going to be a victim of my history, Mm I am instead going to choose to be a master of my destiny. And I'm going to take the moments that I have felt victimized and that I have felt betrayed and I have felt so hurt. And I'm going to begin, just begin to see how I can use those as rocket fuel to propel myself forward and to be of service ultimately to others. And that's how Brave by Design really got started. I love that. And when you you ran out of the house that day in 2007 and you decided, I'm going to choose myself, what was the first step you took in the direction of making change in your life? I had always, so at that point I was living in Montreal. I had always, always, always wanted to live in San Francisco. It had been, I had visited, it had been like a dream of mine. And I, as it so happened, and I I don't really believe there are mistakes. I just believe it's seizing the opportunities as they present themselves. As it so happened, I had a plane ticket to go to Montreal or to go to San Francisco seven weeks later because it was the first time I was allowed to travel by myself without my husband to go see a friend of mine. Okay. So I said to myself, Laura, 
you're moving on that ticket. And that was the only thing that I knew I was going to do next. I had no idea what was going to happen when I got to San Francisco. I said, you're moving and you're going to have a job and you're going to have an apartment waiting for you when you get there. I had no clue how to, I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to do that, but I knew I was going to do it. And so what happened next is I spent the next several weeks uh, effectively homeless. I was living off the charity of my friends. My husband had shut down all my, shut off all my bank accounts, credit cards was gone. I did have a job. So like, you know, I had my own money coming in, but everything else was like over. And every night at that point, we, we had Craigslist. That's how we mainly searched for jobs back then. I'd go on Craigslist and I'd apply to jobs. I got in a 415 number, which is the San Francisco area code that I connected to a Skype account. Remember, this is before iPhones and, and all of that stuff. So I had this number that made it look like I lived there. And um, I would conduct interviews for jobs over Skype. A couple of weeks later, a company flew me out. They ended up hiring me. And I, I will be honest with you, I didn't move seven weeks later. I actually moved six weeks later with the job and the apartment waiting for me. And that is when I knew the power of choosing myself becoming intentional with my life and not allowing myself to wallow in victimhood to say, yeah, that now acknowledging that stuff was seriously traumatic and that was really hard. And that requires therapy to, you know, process and deal with, but I can move forward and I can make different choices. Mm -hmm. So when, when people come to you, because they want to create that same kind of change in their yeah. life, but they don't necessarily want to move to a different country or right. <laughs> maybe <laughs> make, less drastic. Yeah. Something less drastic. What, what are the steps you recommend taking? Like what's the system for creating bravery in their life that you recommend? The first thing I want to ask people is what do you want more of in your life? Like, can you even answer that question? You know, do you know what you want more of? Not what you want less of, because there's a lot of people who will say, well, I, I, I need to, you know, eat less. I, I can only eat these foods. I need to, you know, run my body into the ground, exercising it in unhealthy ways. That's not what I'm talking about here. What, what are the feelings you want more of? Do you want more joy? Do you want more enthusiasm? Do you want more fun? Do you want more peace and calm? Maybe that's what you want more of. It's different for everyone, but let's start with what are more of the feelings that you want to experience in your life? And then instead of running to external individuals to try and get them, we say, and how can I start by giving that to myself? Now, one thing I did not know in 2007, and in fact, it took me a long time to figure it out is that one of the quickest and most profound paths for women to really step into their power, to feel more confidence, more clarity, more self, uh, self-esteem is actually through self-pleasure. We don't talk about that in our culture because the patriarchy has still told women Oh, no, 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 that's for my husband to do. Or that my partner takes care of that for me. Or, oh, I don't really like to masturbate because like, oh, I don't, I just don't do that. 
A lot of women say that. And that is really a way of saying, I'm handing my pleasure and that power over to another individual, right? I'm telling this guy, you're actually in charge of that, not me. That's one of the most powerful gifts that you have as a human being is to give yourself that pleasure. And Laura's not a plant. I did not tell her to say that. I did not. I didn't care. <laughs> no, no, but I, I will talk about this all day long. Well, uh, first of all, I did not expect you to say that at all. I've done a hundred and what, 70 something episodes of this show and no one has ever said that. <laughs> so I do, as soon as you said that, I did think now I know why Jolie loves Laura, but tell me, <laughs> tell me more about this and how self-pleasure plays into this, how to be so, brave. Right. So first it's first and foremost, it is the deepest form of connection with myself. If I don't know what I want from my life, if I don't know what I want to feel, I am probably very deeply disconnected from my body. So getting in connection with the body is a really powerful way to connect to your psyche, to your somatic intelligence, and to actually even begin to learn to tap into your intuition. You know, being brave is saying, I... I'm going to do so. I'm going to run out of this house or I'll tell you another incident. 2013, I had, I was laid off yet again from yet another job. I was getting an unofficial PhD and, uh, sort of like not being able to hold a job. And I said, <laughs> seriously, like I'm really skilled. If anyone, if anyone listening needs to get laid off, contact me. Um, I will help you. And so <laughs> superpower. And so I was again in this situation of saying, I can see down the path. I know what happens if I go down this path of trying to get full-time work. This is not meant for me. But I was able to tap in once again to that intuition. Why? Because I can trust myself because the body doesn't lie. The body knows what is right. And if you are disconnected from your body, then you have no way of tapping into that intelligence unless it beats you over the freaking head when you go into a fight or flight response or you go into extreme stress, overwhelm, anxiety, and can't you can't function. What if you could just walk through the world and say, how does this feel? How do I feel right now? Do I feel good? Do I feel supported in this situation? Oh, wait, something's coming up for me. How do you get that? You don't get that by thinking your way through that. That's what we need to stop doing. We need to stop with the overthinking. You get there by saying, I know my body because I've spent time cultivating a relationship with it and it will not lead me astray. So that is truly one of the first steps in being brave by design is self-pleasure, my friends. Get into it. I'm so happy right now. I just, I have to add that it's, you're talking about a more nuanced understanding of what your body's signals already are. We already have them. So this isn't trying to gain something, just trying to deepen something. It's, we all have our intuition. We all have our somatic intelligence, but sometimes we wait for our body to club us. Exactly. (laughs) And that, and you're saying, what if we got a really, really sensitive um, ability to, to tap into w- the messages we're getting. Exactly. That would be more what gentle, we, more pleasant. Exactly. 
what if we could do things without it getting to those extremes yeah. of, of extreme fight, flight, amygdala hijack? What if we could get there by just saying, how did it feel to be in conversation with those people? Did that feel good? Did that feel supportive to me? Before Did that you feel start nurturing? working for them or something? Before you start working for them. Exactly. So my work today is, I mean, it's funny because I don't work by telling, you know, I don't go into like meeting rooms and tell people, hey, you know what you need to do first? You need to rub one out. Okay. Then we'll talk. Like that's not actually you don't, how You I, don't do that. I don't do that. Even I really don't do that very often. It has happened, but it, I don't <laughs> do that very often. Okay. <laughs> I don't do that, but like I go in and I teach business owners how to be successful, how to get themselves booked. But what, the first thing we teach them is how are you feeling when you talk to this prospective client? And I ask all the listeners, whether you're a, an entrepreneur or you're full-time business owner or you're a full-time employee or whatever it may be, how does it feel to be where you are. And do you like the feelings you're getting or do you not like the feelings you're getting? Because that's the only thing we're, we can actually work on and control. I cannot control other people. I cannot control, you know, I can only control myself. That's it. And what I want more of in my life. And if I want more of something in my life and if I work with clients who provide that for me, then I'm gonna go work with them. And if I work with people who are um, draining exhausting, complaining, not willing to do the work, why would I work with them? So what, what do I get out of this? What techniques would you offer if I'm trying to make a decision in my business about whether or not to create this new product or service? Is it the same of how does it feel in my body when I think about putting this out or is it a different process? I would ask if you're trying to create something based on a fear response or based on a feeling of abundance and joy. Am I creating products because I'm scared? Because I think someone wants this and I need to make money right now. And I don't know what to do. And I, I think this might be it. That I would say is always going to send you down the wrong path. People tend to get stressed, overwhelmed, burned out, um, doing that kind of stuff. So rather than saying, you know, having that sort of scarcity mentality. I would I want business owners to look at their lives and say, "Listen. Here's what I'm really good at. I know I'm good at some things. Here's where there and and I can own what I'm good at, by the way. This is another part of being brave is being is telling the truth to yourself. Being honest with yourself. Are you good at certain things? Yes, write them down. Are you lousy at other things? Yes. Write them down. It's okay. You're, you're good and you're bad at certain things. That's okay. People like to talk a lot about being humble as a way of never talking about facts, which are facts are you're good at certain stuff. You're bad at other stuff. It's okay. You can say that. It's not a big deal. So what am I good at doing? What do people need? What's a problem I can solve? And what of, where the intersection of what I'm good at doing and what people need solved? do I love to work on? Mm. I'm good at a lot of stuff. I don't love to work on everything, but what is that little intersection? And then get really intentional of focus right there and do not be afraid to be too narrow. Do not be afraid to be too niche and just start moving forward. Again, do not overthink it. 
test things in the marketplace, get um, feedback and keep moving forward. There are so many people who are preparing to be ready. Like, I can't even tell, like how many people are preparing for the moment when they're finally ready to be ready to go do the thing. People spend years preparing. And this is, I mean, like if you're launching a rocket to Mars, yeah, you want to make sure the thing's going to work. But if you're preparing to offer a service and you're just spending years researching and thinking about it and ruminating on it, you're actually not being of service to anyone. And our lives are meant to be of service to others. I can only be of service to you if I have unlocked my greatest gifts potential and can share them with you, not think about them to death. So if someone comes to you and is saying, not yet, like I need to have Mm -hmm. a better website. I need to learn more about LinkedIn. I need to take this Mm -hmm. next course on marketing because they can always Mm -hmm. find something else that to learn. What's your advice besides you're not being in service to people? Like, cause if you said that to me, I'd be like, okay, but I really need to learn LinkedIn. You know, you can always sort of rationalize. <laughs> right. Um, sometimes people aren't. Re- so first of all, there's a couple things. Sometimes people just aren't ready. Sometimes we have to honor that people are not ready to take the big, the next step. So sometimes when I, when I have a conversation with someone and they give me a lot of excuses for why they can't do something, I believe them. And I say, okay, you're not, for whatever reason, you're not ready. So I know that's probably not the response you're expecting from me, No, but I, I can't save everyone. And so for me, it's like who, when you decide you're ready or when you decide you're ready to take a step in that direction, come talk to me. I have found with most of the business owners I work with, they come to me and they think everything is in disarray. They think, oh my God, everything is wrong. I got to fix the website. I got to fix my LinkedIn. I don't know. We're not getting enough sales. I don't know how to do X, Y, or Z. And very typically when I work with them, we will find one to two small things that need to be changed. Very often the problem has gotten so big in our heads, that when someone else can look at it for you, who has experience in this area, they realize it's actually not that big. A lot of this stuff is a distraction. A lot of this stuff is things you're comfortable doing, but they don't really generate profit producing activities for the business. And so we just get really clear and we focus and we just take a step. And usually, so I'll say that to anyone who feels overwhelmed and like, I don't know what to do next. It's usually very, very small, but calculated and thoughtful things that need to change. We don't typically need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. You don't need to get another certification. By the way, can I just tell you, I have a whole course on imposter syndrome. The desire to keep getting more certifications or to be perfect is a symptom of imposter syndrome. And so sometimes when I hear this stuff, I'll say, you don't need to learn another thing. You're super accomplished. What you need to do is stop trying to fake it. Angela's staring at me. (laughs) (laughs) What? Angela's staring at me. I can feel it. Like, Uh oh, Angela, do I need to stop? No, you're describing me. Yeah. You were just describing me. Like, you're describing our conversation this morning. I don't Really? Yeah, I do that. I, I mean, this is how I wound up with a PhD. This, like 
this is how. I mean, there are good reasons that I walk down that path, but but I think that what you're saying is so important because I have not been in service. I, my calling is to be in service to people. I know that. I've always known that. Um, I, I do. I think it's like the human calling as well. But I've yeah. always known that, and yet. And this ties into my desire to make money doing something, right? So, which is which is totally awesome and okay, and there is no problem with making money and being paid very well, right? So, if I want to make money at something and I want to be in service, then what yeah. is the problem with just working from where I am? And the the distraction of getting another certification, getting good at yes. another thing, mastering another because I do things to mastery. I don't do them halfway, right? But then what the heck does that even mean? Now, now that I'm saying those words Julie, out of my mouth, I'm like, Ooh. Julie, it means you're running a non-filed nonprofit. Excellent. I've done that for a lot of years, many, many times. I'm going to, I'm going to chill with that. Actually, I'm doing really well this year. Good. With, I'm doing really well this year with not doing that. But I think it's Good. from having conversations with people like you who are saying very plainly that we can't be in service to other people if we're also not in service to ourselves, if we're exactly. not in touch with ourselves. Absolutely. So. And and the thing ultimately about, about getting the certification, I'm not saying people don't need to be certified in things. Of course, like if that's important for your business, go do it. Yeah. But sometimes people Another think- thing. and another thing and then I'll be ready. Right. And I'm just waiting to be ready. Again, I'm, I'm doing all this preparation to be ready to go do the thing I want to do when it's like, actually, you're probably ready to do some of it today. Maybe the certification would help you do it in different ways or more expanded ways, but you're ready right now. And this comes up when, I mean, you, you really hit the nail on the head, Julie, because what we're really talking about when we sort of dig into some of these issues with people is shame and guilt around money. Of if I make money, I'm bad. If I've seen rich people and I do not like how I don't like that look. Yeah. And money was a cause of source, a source of stress when I was growing up. Money was it broke up my parents. It um, you know, my mom was always scrambling. I'm just making up some yeah. examples for why people so if money is bad, okay, let's just start with this. If money is bad, why in the hell would I ever hold on to it? Sure. Why would I save it? Why would I make it? Why would it? Yeah. Why? I would want it out of my hands immediately because it's a bad thing. Again, these aren't like conscious thoughts people are necessarily having, but it's all in our actions is we, we get rid of it. We lose it. Money always goes from those who value it. That's it such least. a great phrase. We lose it. Do yeah. we lose it or do? Yeah. We lose it because we're unconscious about it. We're, unco- we're we've not lost conscious. sense of our purpose. And we, so we can't make it either. And, so and I want you to say that making money is directly related to being brave. And that 100%. like the, that the two are tied together because you're, you, I'm hearing you say anyways, correct me if I'm wrong, that you see people put off being brave because it would put money in their pocket and they're in some and ways, fuel their money complex. And now in you're, some ways, yeah. everything's a strategy, right? So like, we're all performing strategy. And I'm, you know, you guys know this, we're performing strategies that we very often used when we are, we're five, six, seven years old to keep ourselves safe. Yeah. Right. This was dangerous. So I didn't talk about it. This person was scary. So I hid. We haven't learned better strategies as adults until we one step one, we become conscious of what's actually going on. So 
becoming conscious of the money patterns in our life and saying, I'm going to recognize when I do it again. I'm not going to beat myself up for it. This isn't an invitation to self-harm, but I am going to make a plan to be generously paid for what I do. Because guess what? If my life is in service to other people and your life is in service to other people, guess what helps make the most impact on this planet? Money. Where I can funnel money, how I can use money in my communities. It is an important tool of exchange. Yeah. It's our it's and how so, we exchange energy in this yes. in this time and age. So you deserve to have it. You deserve to have lots of it. You deserve to have enough um, that you can give to others. And and I'll just talk, a li- if I can say a little bit more about money, because this is where people often get a little wonky, is they think, well, if I have money, then I can buy a Ferrari or I can get my dream home or I can go on you know five cruises a year or whatever it may be. That That is not wealth. That is an addiction to spending money on luxury items. People who are wealthy, there's a book called The Millionaire Next Door. People who are millionaires, people who are wealthy, they're often driving the used car. They're not in the biggest brand new house on the block. They might be in a good neighborhood because you know there's school districts and stuff like that. They're not the flashiest. It's not an addiction to wealth or it's not an addiction to luxury items. It is saying yes to I deserve this and I deserve to hold on to it and share it with others in my community. It's totally different. Yeah. I'm blown away by needing to take that in and sit with it. I think I'll have to just play that on loop because I, I know my, call me. Yeah. I I know my potential and that doesn't it. And yet I study the unconscious professionally. That's what I do. It doesn't stop me from being unconscious about things. The only thing that can is the consistent reminder and the trigger. So, so what would you say to somebody who wants to take that, that, that third or fourth step? Like they've gotten, Mm -hmm. they've started having a practice of choosing themselves and, Mm -hmm. and thinking about what they want more of in their life. Mm -hmm. And so what is the, how do they keep that energy in their life? Is it, do you think of it as a practice or do you think of it as something you come back to and revisit like quarterly or monthly? What do you, how do you keep it? I, I don't, I don't get too prescriptive in that way about it because sometimes I think that this stuff can cause more anxiety for people when it's like, Oh shoot, I didn't do my, you know, you know, my personal development exercises or whatever. Um, so I'm more, what I actually do, and I'll tell you, this is what I do every morning is I literally, I put my hand on my heart and I just, you know, just take a breath in and I say, I want to thank you. I thank myself for being here another day. And I open myself up to say, I am open to what I received today. And I trust that whatever comes my way and whatever doesn't come my way is in my highest good to fulfill my potential on this planet. And I thank myself for seeing that. That's profound. I could use that. That's it. And I mean, like, I want to cry saying, I I almost cry almost every morning saying it to them. Thank me. I thank me for being me. I thank me for showing up. And then we walk through the day. Okay. And then we walk through the day. We don't need to, you know, Um, 
Now, when we talk about business planning, sure, you want to have plans, you want to have strategies, you want to know what you're doing. But in terms of being a human being, you're already worthy because you are alive on this planet. We don't need to chase your worthiness. We need to see how every day is an opportunity for you to express your fullest potential, for you to lean in to having hard conversations, to being most, first and foremost, authentic with yourself. And when you can do that, other people see it. And when other people see that you're authentic, that's like raising your freak flag. Like, oh, she's my person. He's my person. There they are. I couldn't see them through this sea of boring people who are too scared to stand up and be themselves because all they want to do is fit in. But now that she's stood up and she's shown me her authenticity, I can find her. And that's how we attract clients. That's how we attract business. That's how we attract opportunities is by being ourselves. I was just looking at Jolie again. <laughs> uh, always a work in progress on that. I want to switch switch gears to something you just said, which is having difficult conversations. Mm-hmm. And how do we build the bravery to say the hard things and speak up about the things that matter to us? Do you have a system for that? Absolutely. <laughs> yes. I have a system. First of all, you're going to start with things that are easy, things that are low stakes, Things that, you know, it's not going to be the first hard conversation is with your boss. Um, Because we want to build confidence in this area. Whenever we go into a difficult, so that can be talking to your spouse about like, honey, I'd really love for you to do the dishes tonight. Or I feel like, you know, just low stakes. They don't matter. Low stakes, things that aren't going to make a difference. We want to start with any difficult conversation by first thinking about the outcome I want from that conversation. What do I really want to get out of this? Most people do zero planning when they go to have a tough meeting because most people are scared to look at themselves. They're scared to have a moment of self-awareness. But I'm asking for everyone, if you want to really excel at tough conversations, what do I want? What do I want out of this? Then when we, I'm going to use an example of a salary negotiation because that's very simple and easily, broadly understandable. When I go into that meeting, I need to have some facts prepared. So bef- when we start a hard, hard conversation, we state that we are going to bring some stuff up that you know might be a little uncomfortable for us to talk about. And we're actually going to say that. We're going to say, Hey, John, I really want to talk to you about this. I'm actually like a little nervous to have this conversation. We're going to say that. Why are we going to say that? Because the minute that I am a little vulnerable and I also state what's happening, it drops defenses. And the first thing you need to do when you are having a hard conversation is help drop the defenses of the person that you're talking to. Okay, we're going to state the facts. What are literally the facts? Facts are like, court of law facts. The sky is blue. It is 1244 PM. I am in Detroit, Michigan. These are things that are undisputed. This is the hardest part because most people confuse facts with feelings. Mm. I see this whenever I do this workshop, 
So I was, I will do, we'll run through, okay, so give me your situation. And then I'll say, what are the facts? And we'll state a bunch of feelings. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We want to start with facts because we can't argue facts. Now, after we've stated the facts, we're going to move on to our feelings about those facts. And I encourage, there is tons of research on the value of using, uh, of being vulnerable and using empathy within organizations to actually strengthen the organization's muscles. I encourage you to not run from saying, and this actually made me feel really undervalued. Or, and this really makes me feel like I'm actually due for a 10% raise based on the facts and figures that I'm seeing, based on what my colleagues are making. You know, it didn't make me feel good to realize that John was making 20% more than me. You say that. You actually say that. And don't then, hope that they're just going to pick up on it. They're not going to pick up. No, no. People don't pick take up. hints. <laughs> People do not understand hints and women need to stop doing that. They yes. do not. You need to say that. And then you say, tell me about your experience. Now, this is really important because at this point, when the other person is speaking, they're giving us insight into their world. So up to this point, we've made a lot of assumptions about their world, about their experience. And all of our assumptions are filtered through the brain's negativity bias, which is very strong and very powerful and will always tell us the worst thing possible. When they're talking, I want you to listen. And I encourage people to write down what they say. Because so much of verbal language is actually misinterpreted as it gets filtered through my own history, my own perceptions, my own trauma, my own experiences, my own biases. Write it down what they say. Just write it down. We're not going... Most people get into hard conversations because they want to be right. But what if I said to you, what if we go into the conversation and instead of trying to be right, we seek to connect and understand? Oh, wait a minute. The ego is not in charge anymore of the conversation and of me well, feeling good about it. Now what are people going to do? <laughs> the hell is she talking about? I think sometimes we, we really believe that we are, we're going in trying to connect and understand. And yet that very first um, error in mistaking our own feelings for facts and other people's facts for their feelings, like we, we invert right. these. And right. when we do that, we start right off with, with we're not engendering a, a collaborative environment. We're just not, we're not. doing it. And that. You, know what, you know what else really? We're not present. Yeah. So like if I'm in a meeting and I am, all I hear when I filter whatever you say through my own thoughts, feelings, beliefs, perceptions, all I hear is he's telling me I'm wrong. He's telling me I'm wrong. He's telling me I'm wrong. He's not saying that, you know, yeah. that's something that I am, I'm hearing. I'm not present. I am either living in an imagined fantasy of the future or a past nightmare that I'm trying to escape. And I'm never actually here now in the moment. And so I keep reliving and redoing things because I can't actually be present and hear what this person is saying. I'm just reliving prior crap. Yeah. And um, so listening, and then, you know, you don't need to res resolve when you, when it is your turn to speak up again, 
you really, and this is hard for people, we have to respond, not just talk or prove why we're right. We really want to respond. Hard conversations can take time. Don't anyone listen, expect, oh, I'm going to get through this conversation in 10 minutes. We're going to be done. We're going to figure it out. No, this can take time. It can take multiple conversations. If things get heated, you may need to step away. I recommend do not be in a heated situation for more than 10 minutes before we step away, because at that point, nobody can hear anything the other person's saying. It's not productive to be talking. But give yourself the grace, give yourself permission to have this experience, to have this little little adventure and to one of the way, one of the reframes that I use often with clients is I'll say, it can seem really scary to go have a hard conversation with your spouse, with colleague client. But what if we just pretend we're playing and having a hard conversation? What if we pretend this is a game and it doesn't really matter what happens. And so we're just going to play a game and we're going to pretend that in this game, we're going to go have a hard conversation and whatever happens, We'll learn and then we'll go play another game after that. And seeing it as more of just, it's a playful game. It's just a thing we're, we're experiencing in life. It doesn't really matter. And then it takes a lot of the pressure off people, a lot of the fear. You have given so much helpful advice and tips that could be taken into so many different areas of life. And I think we could do 10 more episodes with you because <laughs> I think we're just grazing the surface of, of your knowledge and expertise. And I'm so glad that Jolie introduced us and we had you on the show. How can everyone listening find you, stay in touch with you online to learn more? Yeah, I would love for everyone listening. If you enjoyed uh, this episode, head on over to Brave by Design, wherever you listen to podcasts, I would love for you to follow the show. You can also go to bravebydesign.net where you can subscribe or follow through your favorite provider and sign up for when I will be giving uh, some upcoming workshops. So there you go. Awesome. Well, Laura, thanks so much for coming on today. This was a pleasure to talk with you. Thanks for having me. Jolie and I hope you love listening as much as we love making this show. If so, tell us by leaving a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or share it with a friend. Claim the Stage is a production of Speaker Sisterhood and is produced in the Glitter Closet in Holyoke, Massachusetts. Music is composed by Kelly Vogel of Sound Passage. All right, that does it for us this week. Until next time, stop waiting, start creating. Bye for now.